Hello everybody, welcome to Serato's Twitch channel. My name is Matt, aka Cut Corners. Uh, great to see some homies in the chat. We got Soy is Real, Burnt Seat Ds, we got Master Lee from Scamsterdam, the Jamaica Gamer, Designer Dreams, DJ Magnanimous, Side Effects. Thank you guys all for tuning in today. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube or listening on this on the Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, thank you for, for listening. Um, once again, this is uh, Unscripted, a show about the power of music. Uh, today's guest today is Jansport J, who is also currently the July resident for Serato's Kitchen. So I guess you could say it's Jansport July. <laughs> um, uh, but Jansport J is a talented producer hailing from LA. He just released an album with AJ Snow called No Awards for the Real, which is out now. If you type in exclamation point follow in the chat, it will pull up uh, a link to be able to download that and follow him on socials. Um, the album is really, like fantastic. I was just like listening to it on repeat. Went for a run this morning, put it on again, and front to back, it's like one of my favorite rap records I've heard in recent times. So um, yeah, let's please give a warm welcome to Jansport J to Unscripted. What up, Jay? Matt, Matt, what's going on? Hey, <laughs> what's going to get... on, man? I'm good, man. It's good to have you uh, on the show and to to get to chat to you um, since you've been on the uh, on the on the kitchen this month. Or, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun, man. Like you said, it's like Jansport July. I feel the same way about Serato. It's, it's taking over, but I love it. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I'm really enjoying your your sessions on, on Twitch for the Serato's Kitchen. It's been, like, really inspiring to see just, like, your process. But, you know, this is, is this your, like, kind of, you've been, you've been doing Instagram videos and Instagram lives, but is this your first time streaming on Twitch? Yeah, it's, it's really my first time. I've been, uh, I've been a little hesitant just trying to get my, my workstation set up exactly the way I wanted to, so I haven't uh, really done Twitch yet. But just hopping on the Serato uh, Kitchen channel and stuff like that, and, and doing it for the past two weeks so far has been super fun. And uh, just realizing, you know, what kind of I guess value I could put out there to the to the community, so the beat making community. So I've been having a lot of fun. I've been hearing a lot of dope music, getting put up on new producers. So I'm having a blast with it. Yeah, man. I I've, I feel like that's actually one of the things that I've enjoyed so much. Um, not only seeing how you make beats and seeing how you break up break down the samples and 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 create a, a track out of the samples, but also hearing what everyone cooks up every week is like super inspiring. I see burnt yeah. CDs in the chat. And um, yeah, if, yeah, if you like music, period, like there's just so many right. great beats in there. Like every week too, it's like it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and it's, it's good to uh, to have a community where everybody is kind of like flipping the same record, so you could put your ear on different styles and different approaches. Uh, that you know, burnt CDs might approach it a different way than like I believe Michael Cooper music or DJ Gons, and so. You know, I feel like just that community is everybody's pushing each other. And I'm hearing the improvement for sure. So, yeah. And I think that's the other great yeah. thing. Um, actually, I was going to talk about is like you provide like a, a ton of insight and really valuable advice in those streams that are really helpful from people like myself and other producers at various stages in their careers. Um, how important is it to you that that kind of feedback and knowledge is passed along so others can learn from not only your experience, but the experience of others? Yes, yeah, I mean, it's second nature to me. I, I forget some of the things that I've just learned over the years that just feels very innate that um, other people can benefit from. So usually, like, I, as everybody can see, I, I'll be chopping up a sample and then something comes to mind where it's like, oh, this is why I might filter the sample this way. Or this is why I chop a sample first. Or if I do the drums first, this is the approach that I'm going to take. So um, I just kind of I'm just doing my process. And then, you know, as things pop up as to 
I might look outside of myself and, and wonder, somebody might be wondering why I'm doing it this way. So let me just explain my thought press process behind it. There's no right or wrong way to do it, but um, just given the information. And I know those are the things that, you know, the OGs kind of gave me, whether I met them in person or if I was studying, you know, like just studying a lot of my favorite artists I, uh, or producers, I would just kind of listen to their styles and figure out a lot of the key things that they would do and just try to incorporate into what I do with a little bit of twist on it. Yeah, it's crazy, like, um, as, you know, coming from a pre-Twitch or pre-YouTube generation, um, I'm a little older, mm-hmm. it's like thinking how I'd have to reverse engineer a lot of productions. I imagine you probably yeah. did the same, right, to kind of yeah. sharpen your sword. Yeah, and like a great example, I remember when Donuts first came out and that album just blew my mind. It kind of gave me um, my lane as far as, I, I don't think I had heard an instrumental album at that point. I know DJ Shadow uh, released one introducing but um, I wasn't familiar with it at the time. So when I heard Donuts, it was like Dilla was doing exactly what I wanted to do because I'm always addicted to a body of work. And so one of the specific records I remember, like you said, reverse engineering was listening to Time, Donuts of the Heart. Mm. And that one is so incredible because Dilla, one of his gifts was like making something sound very simple that's not as straightforward as you think it is so with the reverse engineering i'm listening to time donuts of the heart and i'm like he sped up the sample and he pitched it down usually when you speed up a sample you're chipmunking it it's going to go a higher pitch but he felt the need for whatever reason to speed up the record but to pitch it down and so things like that is like what i would like kind of write down in like my mental rolodex and just try and incorporate here and there in the future but just the attention to detail to stuff like that. Yeah, it's it still blows my mind to this day. Like I'm still trying to, I think a lot of people are in the same position where they're trying to figure out exactly how that record was made. Um, Cause yeah. it was so influential. And you know, like we had, actually we had Dan Charnas on here um, who was to- oh, wrote wow. the book, the Dillatime book. And he talked a lot about that yeah. too. And um, even House Shoes have had conversations like, a lot of people just don't know, you know, like it's a bit of a, still a bit of a mystery, right? It's, I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a wizard. He's a wizard. Yeah. Uh, who were some of the OGs in, in your life that helped you navigate the music and, well, learning music and, and also the music industry? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, a lot of the people that kind of gave me my uh, confidence and, and just imparted wisdom along the way is, you know, a lot of my peers, honestly. So I kind of came up with... Uh, like Willie B, uh, who goes by Ichiban Don now, but he did a lot of the early Kendrick stuff. Curtis King was a peer of mine. Um, Tay Beast, uh, Sky Hutch, Soundwave, guys like that. And then um, I got a lot of game from the OGs. Like Salus Money is a, a manager that, that um, always kind of took time to you know school us on things here and there. Uh, Day One was like one of my OG mentors. Um, who else can I think of? Uh, Polyester the Saint was one of the first people to give me a shot as far as producing on a, a mixtape. House Shoes, of course. House Shoes has always been the super honest OG, where it's like, <laughs> no, nah, that, sh- that shit is whack, or that shit is very good. And like, you need people like House Shoes in your life. So um, I- I've just been blessed to-, to be around a lot of the, the OGs in the Soko game. Man, uh, John Barnes, L.A.J. from uh, one of the producers of The Far Side, Bizarre Ride and Fat Lip and Slim Kid Trey. All of them are just kind of OGs who have kind of like given me game along the way. That's great. Actually, I'm, I'm curious to know, uh, L.A. because the L.A.J. did yell out on Bizarre Ride to the Far Side. Um, what, yeah. What's he, is he still, what's he up to? I mean, do you, 
I I believe he's in Spain. He's in Spain making music. Laj is always kind of like just off doing his own thing. Like he's he's incredible. So uh, yeah, it, last I heard, I think we spoke like maybe four or five months ago. He was still out in Spain, just living this best life and still creating music and stuff like that. But Laj was actually the first person who reached out to me via email about at the time they were trying to do like a far side reunion album. And he invited me up to delicious vinyl for the first time to play beats. And that was like the, the beginning of that relationship. So LAJ is like low key behind a lot of like important collaborations and stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. That, I mean, yeah. also I know you're, you're pretty closely uh, linked with uh, delicious vinyl, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's family. Yeah, it was cool. I actually, I think I saw uh, Delicious Vinyl X Large did a collaboration that you were part of. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, that just goes back to when I put out an album with him. I believe it was 2014. Um, at the time, my man Tachi, who's like, uh, he worked with Delicious Vinyl. He's kind of like the Japanese liaison, but he was kind of, I guess, Extra Large was like a big streetwear brand in the early 90s in the States. Um, and then they just got big in Japan and not so much here. They, they still have a presence, but they're bigger in Japan. So with the delicious vinyl, Tachi, extra large relationship, you know, we all kind of linked back in 2014. They just started sending out gear and we were wearing them in videos. And so, um, you know, with my profile growing out in Japan, it just made sense for everybody to come back together and do like a lookbook or something like that to one of my instrumentals. So. That's so cool. I mean, I I, yeah. I grew up uh, in New Zealand, um, and we had an extra large shop uh, in New Zealand, Word. and it was like the coolest. It was the coolest store, man. They had the, all the cool shit because yeah. it, it was quite hard to get streetwear in New Zealand back in the nineties. And I remember X Large right. was like, it was a beacon. They had Haze. They had a bunch of like kind of, uh, you know, very niche boutique kind of brands as well. It was like kind of like pre Supreme Supreme. Oh, at least in New right. Zealand, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the vibe. That's that's what I hear from a lot of people. It was like Supreme and, and Stussy before all that super popped off. Yeah. So, yeah. Foundational yeah. stuff, man. That's really cool. It's interesting, though. Yeah. Uh, you, you talk a little bit about Japan and, and uh, I know that you've got a record. You've done a record with a Japanese uh, artist, Buddha Monk. Is that right? Yeah. Buddha. So Buddha Monk is another incredible producer. Um, and he used to come out here a lot uh, just to do beat sets. And I think I... I either knew him through the MySpace era or just through DiBiase because I know like I kind of see him and DiBiase as very similar producers, uh, just like on different sides of the globe. So, um, but we've been cool since like that era of like I think he was doing some delicious vinyl work as well. So he would come out here and we would do shows. And then um, right before the pandemic, we finally set up our first uh, Japanese tour. So went out there and did a couple shows. And in between shows, me and Buddha would link up and you know, make beats here and there and it turned into a full album. We just reached out to some rappers and got them on it. And so it's dope because it's uh it's our own franchise that we're doing, just kinda broadening uh what the beat scene and beat culture could be as far as, you know, taking the artists from Southern California and the artists from Tokyo and uh, just merging the worlds and merging the rappers to, to together where you can get somebody like Kojo in Japan and Thurs from LA on the same track and you know and it it all feels good so we're just having a lot of fun with that and get ready to start working on the second one that's awesome i mean i think it's really cool too just like the relationship with uh you know between japan and the u.s and and especially <laughs> you know musically and culturally there's like yeah a lot of a lot of really uh interesting like culture kind of cultural exchanges going on there you know i think especially in the beat scene you know we talk a lot about mm -hmm. you know nujabe's being like kind of a, a an influential person like 
you know, MF Doom and Dilla and all these people, you know, foundational for, right. especially with a beat scene, you know, and, and you think mm-hmm. about it like, well, that, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, it's Japanese, you know. Yeah. And they just, they just have a, a, a great appreciation for, um, hip hop culture. And, uh, when I went out there, it, I, I tell people it reminds me of the past and the future at the same time, because a lot of the fashion and the music is like golden era hip hop, but, obviously like a lot of their machinery or just like the way their society is set up is, is so like futuristic. So it's a cool little combination that they have out there. Absolutely. I want to give a quick shout out to some people in the chat that just joined uh, West Mad, uh, P Killer Tracks. Right. Shout we out got, West Mad. <laughs> we got Tetra my guy, in, uh, my guy out in Madrid, dope producer as oh, well. Shout out Spain yeah. in the house. And we got Eloquent yeah. up in Toronto. I think you're in Toronto, right? Yeah, yeah, legend, eloquent. Shout out to I'm gonna be up there. I got a link with eloquent. I'm gonna be up there next month. Speaking of cultural exchanges, yeah, we gotta talk about that. You've you've spent a lot of time in, in Canada and Toronto working with people like yeah. Keys and Crates and stuff. Um what's your relationship with the the city of like Toronto, for example? I love Toronto. Toronto's I mean, outside of where I live, it's my favorite city. Um Toronto to me is it's a good combination of LA and New York. It has like New York feel and views with like it's a little bit um a little bit more low-key than new york kind of like how la is um very diverse amazing food um and just going up there working with keys and crates i i joke around and say keys crates gave me like a lot of things in my life keys crates uh linked me with my my girlfriend that i've been with for three years keys and crates linked me with my lawyer, you know, they're, they're responsible for a lot of things. So I've always had a special spot for Toronto. And, uh, you know, obviously I wasn't able to get out there as much with the pandemic, but now that things are opening up, like I'm back and forth. So I love That's it up tight. there. Yeah. We, we love yeah. Toronto. We also love keys and crates. Shout out to Flo, Adam and Matisse. Yeah. Those guys yes, are sir, my guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's really cool, man. It's, it's so cool that, you know, you're really, uh, you've gone to some of some, some of my favorite places too, the like Toronto, Japan, and obviously LA. Yeah. Um, one of the things though, I was gonna, I just wanted to quickly talk about, we were just kind of touching on it, is that um, I really admire like how you've always, you're just consistently putting out music. You know, you've got a very like consistent approach to releasing, um, you know, whether it's instrumental music or projects with other artists. And you're very independent mm-hmm. of major labels, you know, even Delicious Final is kind of like an indie label, I guess, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, and I, I kind of see this approach working a lot more in this kind of current, day and music in the music industry you know and and you seem really kind of very you embrace that you know you're really on the forefront of connecting kind of directly to your audience and having a very personal kind of relationship with people um how did you kind of how did you develop that or you know what was the kind of what were the the, the signs where you're like i want to try and do this or you know versus the other other traditional yeah I, I think it was honestly i mean it's a progress of, of who i am as, as a person but also the time that i started creating music so I got somewhat serious about my career in the MySpace era. So at that time, you're making a couple beats, you're throwing it on your music player. Um, I'm trying to grow a fan base by looking up artists that I love and adding people that commented on there. So I would go to the Little Brother page and add people that commented on there. I would go to the Stone Throw page, the Dilla page, you know, things like that. So I think early on, I had to I had to learn the bare bones of how to move as an independent because the industry had crashed at that point. And then at the same time in LA, we were having a renaissance as far as um, artists and, and shows. So I was around, um, 
I saw Dom Kennedy post the watermelon Sunday video on his MySpace page and then announced he was having a show at Los Globos. And so I go up there and meet him and I meet Polyester the Saint and Casey Veggies early on, Kendrick early on, just all these different people just because of the renaissance that was happening in L.A. within the blog era. And then, uh, you know, two dope boys and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of snowballed into, like, okay, like, it, it's been a long road, but uh, it's been a road that's showed steady growth. So um, as the profile grows and as your options expand, you, you kind of come to each, you know, I guess each point of your career where it's like, all right, do I want to go ahead and, sign a publishing deal or sign with a major label or can I still manage what I'm doing? And um, that's really all it's been. And uh, but I would stress that it's, it's a very dynamic thing to where where I'm at now. I'm starting to you know consider some of those things because there's only so much that I could uh, that I can manage. But up until this point, um, it's just been all organic. Like I said, it's a matter of, you know, Twitter came out, Instagram came out, the blogs, MySpace. This has all been in my career. So Every tool that's come out, I've had to jump onto it and figure out how to make it work for me as like a marketing tool. So really just like a, a product of that. That's so dope, man. I, I feel like uh, you do that so well. It was one of the things actually, I think when we initially met Appreciate up, it. I was like, yeah, let's love your Instagram. Like when you're making beats, you just like kind of have you making the beat. It's a very simple, but really effective like way of, and, and, and these are beats too that you were saying some of them will be put out, some of them won't, some of them are just for like a one minute thing. like. I just love yeah. that kind of like it's it's kind of almost like you trust people like oh you know this is just a sample of what i do and i got more you know what i mean yeah. it's like really cool yeah and really just trying to uh to tap into myself and like what i want to project and put out there um I, I think what i've learned over the years is that as far as you know branding yourself and and things of that nature it's not so much about being a character for me at least it's not about being the character but it's more so about tapping into the natural characteristics that you have and just putting them on steroids, just kind of like pushing it even further. So it's like, I'm a simple person. So it's like, I could have all the crazy production set up or I could set up the iPhone here and put like an eight millimeter filter on there. And that's just my vibe, you know? So those are the kind of things I just kind of, you know, always navigated towards. And like, I'm just a person that, um, I like getting things done. It's hard for me to count and rely on a bunch of different people or a lot of different variables. So if it's like the cameraman can't come, it's like, no, I just need to figure out what I can do and be consistent with it. So that's kind of what I've leaned on. Yeah, especially with your releases, man. I mean, like, I was just like, just going before this, you know, this interview yesterday, I was just kind of like revisiting your, your catalog and on streaming services, which I highly recommend, by the way. And like I said, if you type in exclamation point follow in the chat, it'll pull up all the socials for, for Jansport J and you can check out like, you know, he's got a produced by Jansport J playlist on Spotify where you can see like all the, the great records he's made, but it just your own records, you know, you've got a lot of really cool, you know, instrumental records, which I think is, you know, it's, it's almost a statement, you know, um, which, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't know how much you intended that, but you know, <laughs> as a producer, sometimes waiting, like you said, waiting for, you know, MCs oh, yeah. to finish records or whatever can just be, a bit painful man it's it's a lot and the way i'm wired i'm not i'm a patient person but i don't like relying or waiting on other people so a lot of uh like you said it is a statement it's um i'm a person that always wants to work on the project i need something to look at and to like 
towards. So uh, working with rappers and, and singers and stuff like that is incredible, but it's also a lot of times based on whenever they want to put music out, whatever they want to do. So really, you know, I've kind of, I've lived off the phrase that music is my best PR, you know, mm. all the other things that people overanalyze and try to figure out as soon as I drop a tape, whether it's like producing for somebody or my own instrumental album, there's discussion, there's talk, there's momentum that happens. So really the instrumental tapes was about me just like taking my career as a producer into my hands and, uh, making sure that, you know, number one, I just get my creativity out, but number two, that I'm consistently in front of people in a way that's not thirsty in a mm. way that's like, Hey, I have something new to offer. Like this is my newest work. And uh, usually when I do things like that, it's like, it's a cyclical thing. So I might, it might be a season where we're in the studio a lot and I'm working with hip boy and we're doing all that type of stuff. And there might be opportunities for me to do like, you know, work with Serato or to work on my own instrumental albums. As soon as I do my own instrumental albums or produce for people, it might be a hit boy or reason or all these other people calling and saying like, Hey, we want to get you in on this just because it's constant momentum going on. So that's try to, that's what really what I try to focus on is like organic momentum, you know? That's yeah. That's really good advice. I think I like that. And in, in, in the sense that you're, like you said, you're kind of staying in people's, you know, peripheral vision in some way, you know, where they're aware that you're doing things and it may not be mm-hmm. everything that, you know, you do all the time, but it, it you know, it's different things where, you know, it shows it showcases your other strengths. For example, you know, like yeah, obviously you make beats really good, so you're gonna keep making beats. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the um, just real quick, actually, I just want to give a quick shout out to DJ Loki for the raid and the G- uh, Good Music Twitch crew. Thank you for so much for coming through. Um, what up, that Goeris? It's great to have you here. Um, but I wanted to quickly talk to you you about your approach when you put out your record uh, for Love in 2021. I read in a Microchop yeah. article. Shout out Microchop that um, mm-hmm. you, you sent the album out in advance to just a small email, personal email group. Uh, what were like kind of some of the learnings from that first step? Yeah, I mean, at, at that point in my career, it was, um, you know, I, I went to school for advertising and marketing and I wanted to be an A&R. So I've always kind of had like putting on a different hat. I don't like to merge them at the same time. I like doing my creative. And then once the creative is done, think about, you know, things marketing wise that could be cool. And at that point in time, it was just about um, really trying to like kind of corral my fan base, you know, and like really start to build like a, a natural rapport with them. So I believe what I did at that time was um, I think I just had people like, I don't even know if it was like an email sign up. I just know it was, a, it was a situation where I had people send me their emails and I sent out the album a week in advance with like a personalized letter, you know, just thanking them for their support and what this album was about. And I'm giving it to the fans before I send it out to the blogs and everybody the next week. And um, I just felt like what that really did, because I, I've always felt like with the fan base that I've had, um, these are people that are rooting for me and kind of see me as an underdog and that they're saying like there's a certain trajectory. So um, what better way than to like, actually connect with them because i already know they're kind of having the mentality of like oh i know about Sport j before everybody else says so let's let me send you an actual email with your name at the top saying thank you for supporting this album's coming out next week and when you have that like natural um just conversation with somebody it also incentivizes them to share it because they feel like they're a part of it and so that's really how i was approaching that process especially with that album it was just about 
love and all the different um, aspects of it that I was experiencing at the time, whether it was good for me, whether it was bad for me in certain uh, instances. So it just felt like showing love to the fans made sense. That's so cool, man. I I I actually listened to that record for the first time the other day, and I was like, "Yeah, this is a fantastic record." Or uh, I got to go back and hear it. It's been so long. <laughs> oh yeah, it's yeah. really it's like really it's timeless. You know, like you, it's a great recipe the way you know you put it together, and all the sounds are still really really relevant. I, I highly recommend anyone who hasn't listened to it to go check it out. It's on you know all your streaming platforms called For Love by Jansport J. Um, and and quick shout out to Steve Mallet, NJ, to AK. Um, Thank you guys so much for tuning in, uh, the Jamaica Gamer. It's great to see you guys. Um, I, I do, I do want to say though, one of the cool things for me about getting on Twitch, for for example, and one of the kind of what you're talking about is kind of uh, letting your guard down a bit because you know the internet can be a really scary place and it can be a, full, a quite a you know negative place, and I, and I oh, yeah. and I think that um, you know in the past personally I've kind of been afraid of that a lot, and then when I got on Twitch. You know, I've been able to connect with people that I've never really met before, but now I have these kind of really personal, great relationships. Shout out to that girl. Eris is a perfect example. Someone who really supports me um, and is a mod on this channel. And, um, you know, thank you for posting the link even, uh, Eris. And, and she's, you know, she's a, she really gives a lot of her time to the community. And, um, and you know, I, I think there's a lot of people that, that are in our, in, our, in our streams that either subscribe or, or, or whatever to us. And, and it's kind of like, what you're talking about is like giving giving a bit of yourself and and not holding back too much and and opening up is kind of like yeah. a really great gift and and it's almost like a trust you know like if you're entrusting people with your truth then you know they it's reciprocal yeah. right yeah and this is uh it's also a, a dynamic thing because me doing the email lists um that way back in 2012 was a lot more innocent and there was a lot less people just asking me for things so now like as the profile grows you just have to find <laughs> different ways to still be like you know uh to still have dialogue and stuff with your fans but also to have like a clear boundary um so like some of those things i still try to do to this day like as much as i can respond to comments if it's a dm where it's like it's personalized and it's not just like a a blanket check out my music i usually try to get back to people um but things of that nature but you talking about the internet being a scary place it reminded me um of an experience very early on in my career um this is the blog era so i had just done um i produced two records on this uh, mixtape called curly tops and nautica jackets which basically had a lot of the la talent super early on so one of the records i did it had dom kennedy Diz gabron blue jack davy and sean christopher and then another one like they had a lot of people so these were the stand joints so two dope boys at the height of their website they started doing um these producer like beat battles and i'd never done a beat battle i'd never felt like that was my thing but um i always appreciated it but they tapped me to do it and at that time it was exposure so i was like okay like yeah i'm gonna you know i'm gonna hop in there so I'll never forget, they gave us Tom's Diner by Suzanne Vega to flip as a sample. And I don't know if I was feeling myself at the time or if I just really thought the beat was good, but I made a beat and like this other dude made a beat and the comments just like trashed me. They were just like, oh, he's oh. overrated. Like he got this one look on this mixtape and he's not that good and blah, blah, blah. But the valuable le lesson I learned in that moment that I still kind of carry to this day is that 
unless it's like a personal interaction like Twitch or something like that, the internet is either telling you that you're worse than you really are or you're better than you actually are. <laughs> and so, to, you know what I'm saying? Like, at that point, I stopped reading comments on any blog post. Pitchfork reviewed Feral, uh, my album Feral. To this day, I still haven't read it because I know about me. I appreciate um, even my criticism that people might give me a person, but I, I appreciate the love that people give me. But just that, you know, off to the side review, critique and all that kind of stuff, it just it doesn't do anything for me. And I know I can be sensitive in certain aspects when it comes to that. So I just try to focus on the music because reading a lot of that kind of stuff could influence the type of music that I make in the future. And for me, it's all about making what I want to hear, hoping people resonate with it. Yeah, that's a really good point, man. Sometimes, like, it feels like the comment section is like the WWF. It's like everything's just like so out of control. Yeah, right? I mean, you got you got to think about the the kind of person that's leaving a comment. You know, it's like yeah. they they obviously want to get something off. For, I mean, I'm sure most people are pretty decent, but you know, when you see these crazy YouTube comments, I always try to think like there's somebody actually sitting there typing that, and they hit send, and then I just wonder what they do after that. Like if they just feel accomplished, so. I try to stay out of that as much as possible. Absolutely. Holy shit, we got a... Speaking of incredible beat makers, we got a Psycho Les in the building. What up, oh, Psycho man. Les? legend. Beat Shout nuts. out to Les. Man, yeah, beating us. That's a, that's a legend right there. Shout out to Psycho Les. Yeah, man. I'm a student. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. That's great. Great to have you here, Psycho Les. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think... Um, I just want to talk a little bit about this blog era since we, we brought it, you brought it up and, and I kind of didn't have it in my questions, but I feel like we can't just kind of glaze over that without talking a little bit about, oh, more yeah. about that. And especially when you're talking about the Renaissance area, era of like LA, we got Dom Kennedy, um, you had Blue in Exile. It would, you know, can you just talk about that time, you know, being from LA, like what that yeah. meant to you? It was, it was magic and we didn't even know it. You know, I look back with a lot of fondness at those years because we were all just... It was an era where you still had to go outside and figure it out. Like we had the internet, we had tools, we had MySpace, and uh, I think we had like iMeme and just like all these random players and stuff like that. But you still had to go to the Grand Star Jazz Club and see DiBiase do a set. And you still had to go, you know, over to Sketchbook or you had to go over to Echoplex or all these different spots. And I'm a quiet person, but I love music so much and I wanted to do it so bad that. I would go by myself to these events and just try and meet people. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's just a lot of legendary moments back then. Like I said, I uh, I met Dom Kennedy at Polyester Studio while we were working on the mixtape. This is 2008. And they recorded Miss Donna Karen that night. And then uh, we're sitting there with him. And he's like, yeah, we're about to go shoot this video tomorrow with uh, Pac Div in the hundreds. Uh, and so that's the Everybody Knows video. So. Stuff like that, seeing Kendrick Lamar open up for you and I at Bubblegum LA and uh, seeing J. Cole come like down the alleyway at Kendrick and J. Cole are meeting for the first time. Like it's a lot of moments like that that are just very dope to to be a part of. And even like going to South by Southwest for the first time and there was like a lot of like, there's a big LA constituency. And there's a video out there too where we have a Kendrick on there. I think it was Kendrick's first trip and he's just, he's so excited to be in Texas at that point. And I don't even think Schoolboy was rapping yet, but Schoolboy's in the video and myself and El Prez and Thurs from you and I just, all these different people. So it was a beautiful era. And what I can definitely say about it to this day, like I saw Schoolboy like a couple months ago in the studio 
but it feels like a high school class, like a high school graduation where no matter what level you might be at, I feel like when we all see each other, there's like a salute and like, you know, we all came from the same, you know, era in the same place. So. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me. I mean, not being from L.A., but also kind of like learning about it like a little bit later on when I first started coming to L.A. around like 2014, 2015 and kind of rever- like, again, reverse engineering and hearing about people and. Like I, I was a really big fan of Ty Dolla Sign and and, and as well oh, and yeah. NYG and all these, you know, yeah. it's all like this. My kind first, of... my first show ever was with Ty Dolla Sign. He was in a group called Ty and Corey. It was like a rap group, and it was also with Cooley High, which had Rhapsody in the group at the time. So it's like a lot of random stories like that that you forget about until like you bring certain things up. So yeah, it's and we've just had like an amazing run and like a lot of talent just kind of come out and be successful, which is awesome. Same way, Hit Boy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and you got blasted. There's so much, so much still like so, so many great, uh, you know, artists coming out of LA too. Um, which actually I wanted to touch on, you know, your latest project with AJ Snow. I'm a little bit unfamiliar with AJ Snow, um, but through yeah. knowing you and, and listening to this record, uh, I really, I was just like, oh man, this is really some great LA music, like LA rap music. It's just like all, all the right. things that I love. Like you know, I'm a, I'm a Dom Kennedy fan. And I hear like little things that obviously are from this this area, and you know, mm-hmm. I love the production on that. That's one of the things I, I I have to say is like it's it's varied, but it's really consistent. Um, and you guys all both right. have a really complimentary, you know, you your his raps on your beats just work perfectly. And I'm just really I'm curious to know like how did you link up? How did that project kind of come together? Yeah, so AJ Snow is at, he's from Springsville, Illinois, and Dallas, Texas. I know he bounced back and forth from there a lot, but he moved out to LA. Um, I want to say last year or something like that. And um, I would I would hear his name around a lot. As far as uh, the homie L Prez has like a, a night out here called Payday LA for a lot of emerging artists. So I would hear his name a lot. I think somebody had reached out to me on his behalf like last year or something like that. Um, but I just kept hearing his name. And so I think, uh, he had a show recently, or I want to say like maybe November, December of last year, um, that Slim Jeff was telling me about. So, you know, I just, yeah, shout out my man, Slim Jeff. So I just, I felt the urge randomly to like, let me just dive into everything this kid is doing. And I was watching his videos and I was listening to his songs. And I guess what people don't know about me is like for the type of music that I make, um, which is like very soulful and stuff like that. I actually gravitate towards lately listening to a lot of that player sound, a lot of the Dom Kennedy, Larry June, currency type stuff. It's, it's what's most exciting for me right now, as well as like the Griselda sound. Um, but in listening to his music, I was I was just like, man, he's a he's a dope rapper. I love his sound, and I like the package that he has. You know what I'm saying? As far as like the way he presents himself and everything, and it resonates more with who I actually am versus like my music. And I just thought it would be like a, a fun, creative challenge. So like, what would it sound like? Obviously we can get him on these soul samples and stuff like that. But what if I push myself sonically and try to go a little bit left and really source inspiration from like Pimp C and UGK and the Riding Dirty album and stuff like that to make like 83 El Camino. So uh, we started working on it in January and he's, you know, younger than me. And so it was just an opportunity for me to really kind of produce somebody, you know, and just somebody that's open to it that might have looked up to me and the music that I made and just help them develop even further than what they already have. And it's something that Dom Kenny, he had 
put the seed in me like a while back as far as like, you know, you're, you're getting these placements and stuff like that. And it's beautiful. But as a producer, it'd be nice to see you develop somebody, you know? So that's just, um, I saw the opportunity with him and, um, we're very similar in our, in our approaches to music and how we carry ourselves. And just, you know, I just saw in him, you know, he had it together. He was just trying to figure out how to get to the next step. And I figured I could help out with that and also show that I'm capable of producing an artist. So that's so cool, man. I actually didn't realize, uh, he's from, he has like Texas roots. Um, but of course now, I mean, you guys have a song on the, on the, on the album called UGK, uh, underground King. Sorry. But, um, Let's play 83 Al Camino because, yeah, I love that. That was actually one of the tracks that I pulled up uh, I wanted to play, right. uh, which is um, which is off the AJ Snow and Jansport J record. So I'm just going to listen to that right now. And it was cool. I didn't realize there was a, a term for, like, that uh, currency Larry June sound, like, like you call it player music. Yes, it's what, I, it's what I've been calling it. I don't know what it's called, but I just call it, like, a player sound. I just know it when I hear it, so... Absolutely. I love it. Shout out Larry June, too. Rockin' leather, I'm a cold nigga. Eyes red, cause I'm lit off this dark liquor. I can steady ballin' like I'm my figure. Just a trick, she ain't really no gold digger. You ain't pushing P ass gunner. Your bitch ugly like them phone runners. I don't kick it with no newcomers. And shout out to the ones who show they true colors. Put the pain in the crib of the last supper. Postmates on the way, I'm watching PGA. Baby said she coming too, what's your ETA? Original player, hey, what's up, like EDSA? I came to talk my shit, I got time today Smoke killer snow, in full effect I lick my lips, her pussy wet Designer wallets, and designer pets Fans ask snow, why you ain't made it yet? Dick riding ain't my hobby Alright, we're just gonna give you a snippet because uh, we gotta, um, you know be careful of the uh, of getting you know silenced from the DMCA. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's. I mean, we're talking to Jansport J, and this is off the Jansport J AJ Snow project. Um, what is sorry? What is the name of the project? Um, it's No Awards for the Real. No Awards for the Real front to back album. Yeah. I'm incredible. Um, so yeah, definitely give that a bump. Um, and it was it's so cool like hearing you talk about Dom Kennedy because yeah like. Dom Kennedy is a, a kind of like a, a blueprint, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I've always, um, I mean, I've seen I've seen him go from the very beginning to where he's at now, and he's always remained who he is, the same, like, very quirky character that he is, very cool dude, and um, he, he's mastered his business. You know, it's not the same as everybody else, but he knows what works for him and um, how to present it. And that's something that I've always kind of I look towards him as far as like how to stay authentic to what I do. And, you know, in some sense, it's like, how do I uh, how do I carve that same lane as a producer where it's okay? I'm talented, but also there's like an aesthetic and a cool that's not forced. But this is just who I am, you know, Mm. and have people buying into that. And I think that's what people do with Dom and Larry and all those guys. So it's just important to kind of like going back to what I was saying earlier, figuring out who you are just putting it on steroids and packaging it up and and speaking of of working with an artist on a whole project you know what do you like about working on a whole project with an artist versus kind of doing a song or two on a project because you know i know you do a bit of both it's my favorite thing to do it's 
it's my favorite because it's um it's all inspiration based and you know I live by the motto, all attraction, no chasing. But if there's ever anything I chase, it's like that high of like when the album starts to come together, when you figure out what direction to go sonically. Um, to me, it just goes back to like the very spirit of a producer. I know with instrumental albums and sample packs and all that, producers are a lot more front facing than we used to be in the past. But at the end of the day, to me, it's about serving the record, serving records and, um, producing artists you know and giving them a world to live in so the challenge for me every single album that i produced is like figuring out how to connect with the artists and no artist is the same so when i produced the full stally album that one came down to us just like talking on the phone for two hours like every single time we hopped on the phone and figuring out the things that were bothering him the things that brought him joy and creating you know the musical palette for that when I work with El Prez, he just he had an album title in mind, and I thought an L.A. accent on top of soul samples would be dope. So when he said Urban Street Americana, I was like, I know exactly what that sounds like. So each time it's like chasing the high of like, man, how do I dial in and connect with this artist? And so producing Snow, for me, it was like, it's a hungry kid that's figuring it out. This could be like his breakthrough uh, project, his first one amongst many, but also just like, okay, how do I like, how do I kind of corral all the energy that he has, like all the all the good things that he's doing? How do I package it up and polish it up a little bit more uh, within the sound that I have? And then even in the future with other producers, how do I help like maybe executive producer, just kind of A&R projects and stuff like that? So that's always like the, the thrill for me as far as like producing the albums is consistently giving an artist a world to live in and to be inspired by so that they can write and put out their best work. I mean, I love I love hearing stories about that. Personally, as a fan of music, I feel like you get more cohesive a more cohesive body of work working with one producer yeah. versus like working with a bunch. And and you're starting to see that more with people like Hitboy, which we'll talk about in a minute. But also Alchemist, yeah. I know he talks about this a lot as something that he likes to do as opposed to doing one or two tracks. He likes to do a whole album with, uh, you know, a developing artist or, or an artist. And um, and to that point, you know, even like like no worries, you know, like my, one of my favorite Anderson mm-hmm. Pack records is produced all by Knowledge, who's which yeah. is also it it just gives the sets the tone for the whole thing and and I I've, I've yeah been, sorry go ahead I was just gonna say and it's also just as a producer the best way for people to hear your sound is like you can get one or two records off on the project but if you're able to do the full thing people get you know, kind of like the the scope of what you can do or like how dialed in you can be, how versatile you can be. And so that's why I've always like kind of just, uh, I've always, you know, loved doing that rather than the couple one-offs. I'll, I'll do it for sure. Like it's a, a business transaction usually, but producing top to bottom, there's no greater thrill for me. Yeah, it's cool. I also heard a really great story about Janet Jackson working with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure yeah. you've probably heard this story or, or, or something similar. I'm probably going to paraphrase it terribly, but something to, along the lines of also when they first met Janet, they were like, you know, we're going to start pre-production for the record. And she was like, okay, well, you know, when do we start? And, we, and they go to a restaurant and they sit down at the restaurant and we're going to start pre-production. Tell us what's going on, you know, like what's going on in your life. Let, you know, let's have a conversation. And I, I guess that was how they figured out the record Control, you know, which is one of the, one of my favorite Janet records. But it was really yeah. about this kind of overarching theme where they were able to kind of get the best of her and what she wanted to talk about, what kind of emotions she wanted to convey. And 
what things were she was interested in at that time and and that was like i think that i think that's what you re- i think that's one of the benefits of having a, a, a production you know team do the whole thing or a pr- producer or someone kind of work on a whole cohesive album because albums are in a lot of ways you know kind of an art form of itself right Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And whether it's um, whether it's working with one producer exclusively, or having somebody actually executive producing a project, and I know like that's good. That title is being slapped everywhere now. I think I saw <laughs> shout out to Game, but I saw Game had like six executive producers on his album. But it's like sometimes you just need those one or two ears to like really help mold and, and shape, and you know, be that second. Or that third ear for you, you know, as far as um, just just feedback and everything. I, I think it's important whether it's one producer or it's a traditional album. Just having somebody kind of help helping you to oversee it and, and what makes it sonically and what are the strong points, how to arrange it, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I still think that's a very important thing. I, I feel like we're in this this age of playlisting and streaming where it's, it's single heavy, which yeah. is cool. But at the end of the day, you, I don't see people connect with a single as much as I see people connect with a, an album. You know, like the album is still important. Like, and I don't think that's ever going to change. The body of work is what changes lives and, you know, really sticks with people. So that's just how I feel about it. I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, I feel like sometimes people don't talk about that enough. And I have a, one of my closest friends, Big Jax, so we talk about this all the time because we do, we work on music together and, and we have that discussion, you know, well, you know, what's the single, like, what, what are, what are we going to push people to just listen to this thing versus the whole album? And how important is it really to make a, a whole album or a whole EP? Um, but I, I'm so glad that you feel that way too, because if you're a real fan of music, chances are you, you have like full albums you listen to front to back. And that's always like a great yeah. feeling when you can listen to an album front to back. It's like, oh, I like yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> Or albums that change your life. Like yesterday, I just went back and revisited Lupe's Fiasco or Lupe Fiasco's Food and Liquor. So for me, it's like albums like Food and Liquor, Jay Z's Blueprint, Jurassic Five, Quality Control, um, Little Brother, The Minstrel Show. Like these are real albums for me that 10, 15 years later, I'm going to go back and revisit because like it meant something to me. Commons B. Like I still mm. reference that when I produce projects. Like if it's a soulful project, I wanted to be at the same level as that and so just for reference points and even studying and stuff like that that's why you know it's so important like no shots at all but you don't hear people talk about swagger like us as much as like you might hear (laughs) them talk about like Kanye's or I can't even remember whose album that was on you know what I'm saying like that's just so it's like it's, it's one of those things where it's like the the singles like it's important to push the single but I just feel like that single has to work within the a body of work for it to stand the real test of time you know oh absolutely it's funny you mentioned uh commons b album i actually have just this happening happens to be here wow it's that's the, incredible uh, this is actually the instrumental album so if, if you ever need it and so like albums like that i remember exactly where i was the first time i heard it i was uh on houston street like my sophomore junior year of college i took like a trip to new york for the first time and i went to it was either like a warehouse or tower records or something. And I got comments me and I just walked around New York for the first time listening to that album. And like that shit is still crystal clear to me this day. Like 
what I was wearing and everything. So like, <laughs> so cool. th those are the moments that like, yeah, we can't lose. You know what I'm saying? It's still important to, to have that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that I, I actually have a, I remember that album in a very similar way where it was like, uh, it, it really it had a really strong impact. And I remember thinking this is his, some of his best work, if not his best work. And I remember, right. you know, when you share something like that, that, that hits you that hard with another friend that you know that loves music. And then you almost have like a closer relationship because you both are like vibing yeah. off that energy. Um, mm -hmm. I love that stuff, man. I, like, I feel like that's the, those are the moments in music that, that are just what make it so special. Um, For sure, yes, important. Yeah. I want to give a quick shout out to a couple more people that have joined the chat here. I want to give a shout out to Anique Creations. Um, hits, hi, it's Danny. Um, Mr. Sonny James is in the house broadcasting from uh, Seattle, I think. Shout out, Sonny. Yeah. We got the psychology department and we got Jarris in the house. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, hope you're having a good trip there, Sonny. Um, but let's uh, let's jump back to something we were just talking about uh, before. You know, you've worked with Hitboy a lot. And um, mm -hmm. I'm curious to know, like, yeah, what's your relationship with Hitboy like and, and how you like working with other producers? Yeah, so uh, me and Hitboy, I feel like we've known each other just online since, like, 2010, 2011. Um, and I think we started, like, linking up and working with each other like 2014. So um, our relationship has always started from mutual respect and admiration for each other's work, you know, and uh, we kind of operate in two different lanes because he's just like the superstar producer and I'm more so this underground, you know, boom bap soulful producer. But like I said, we, we start with uh, from a place of respect and admiration. And uh, I'm just one of those people as far as like meeting people, I don't ever try to force a collaboration. If anything, I'm going to introduce myself, tell you my name. And if things are supposed to line up in the future, it'll work out. So um, I can't speak for him, but I felt like that's what allowed for us to work uh, later on down the line is he just saw that I was somebody that was always doing my own thing and just like very uh, just kind of like a, a specialist of my sound. And so when he started dabbling into music that kind of leaned in my direction it was like oh well i know jasport let me you know he's not a weirdo he's cool like let me just go ahead and you know have him come through and help us work on some projects so actually the first thing that we worked on together was um it was him and dom and ty dollar sign there's a record called too many ways so we did that together um put that out and then like maybe a couple years went by we would email stuff here and there but i think he was he had a lot of transitional stuff going on but as soon as he moved over to Chalice, maybe 2017, 2018, that's when we really kind of locked in and started working a lot heavier. We've had just amazing experiences and people coming to that room. I, I wish he would do a documentary on his studio because it feels like when I grew up hearing about Baseline Studios, like the Rockefeller Studios and like Electric Lady and stuff like that, I feel like we're a part of that now over at Chalice, over at Hip Boys Room. So, um, We've done a lot of amazing stuff over there. Uh, God rest the dead. I was able to sit there during uh, Nipsey Hussle's Racks in the Middle sessions. We spent like two or three days with him. Uh, work with Nas in there. You know, just a lot of a lot of dope stuff has happened in that room. So that's amazing, man. I rest in peace to Nipsey yeah. Hussle. I mean, that's a LA legend yeah. right there. And you yeah, know, such sure. a blueprint for also from you know, like the taking the the the, the business you know, head on and, and, and really doing his own thing. Uh, so much love yeah. for that, that man. Um, 
let's let's listen to um one of the tracks you did with hit boy off a Na- with with nas um nominate oh no sorry not nominated uh, moments is the one i wanted to i wanted to play right. and just fyi um you know quick note if you're listening apologies for any swear words you know this is uh just how we do it on here <laughs> <laughs> you'll be okay guys <laughs> but this how i feel Wish I did. My brother saw him. Champ told him nothing is real. Gave me the chills. Thought about it. That's how I feel. We on autopilot. No captain behind the wheel. My whole career, I steered away from features. But I figured it's perfect timing to embrace new leaders. Accepting my position as the master teacher. I make cash deposits before the first flashy diamonds. That's waterworks. waterworks. Sassy models, the curviest brothers you knew from the sandbox and do you the dirtiest. Government assistance, poverty is big business. Overrun the Senate, both parties got policies built for the wicked. Look in the jungle, you gotta move like an animal. Prey on the predators, go at anybody that challenge you. Boardrooms, courtrooms, it'll leave you with war wounds. I ain't wanna be this cold-hearted, but I was forced to. Alright, we're gonna have to leave it at that, though. Um, but man, yeah. what a jam, right? Yeah. It's a trip. Yeah. It, it trips me out sometimes hearing it. Like, sometimes it's like a, a pinch me moment. <laughs> no doubt, dude. I got to know what yeah. it's like working with Nas. Man, Nas is, uh, he's incredible, man. He's just, he's the most humble, hardworking, just legend, you know? And thankfully, that's been my experience meeting and working with some of the, like, the legends. It's, they're usually laid back and cool as long as they're in the, in the space of, of being comfortable where there's not, you know, people asking for pictures or autographs or anything like that. If they're comfortable, like they're amazing. So, um, yeah, the, the first time, uh, I actually met Nas hit boy was, they were working on the first one. The first album was supposed to be a, a Valentine's day EP. So I was coming up there right before I was leaving to Japan. And, um, hit boy was telling me, he's like, man, like, you got to come up here tonight and listen to some of these joints I've been working on with Nas. Usually I would go to Hit Boy spot during the day, but this time he was like, man, just come through around 10 or 11 tonight. So I'm thinking he's recording with Nas and then Nas is going to leave and then I'll come in and listen to what they've been working on. And so I, I go to the, the room that he's in and like, I usually don't even knock on the door when I go to Hit Spot. I just kind of walk in. So I walk in and it's Nas just rapping into a mic and it's Hit Boy recording and he's like, just give us a minute or whatever. And so me and Slim, uh, we go into like the little waiting room and we're just like, oh my, did that just happen? Like we just walk in on Nas rapping. Like, and then uh, he's just super humble. Like we met him right after that. And then, you know what I'm saying? We worked on that first project. I actually had a record on the first one, but the sample didn't clear. Uh, but I've been around, you know, the first two projects heavily. And uh, it's crazy. Like I said, he's a good dude. And like to be on, terms with him now where we see each other and we recognize each other and you know check in and all that kind of stuff you hear the stories about his career and all that kind of stuff it's just you know it's it's times where like i'm very in the moment and we're just all in the room talking there's other times where i'm sitting there like what is going on right now you know so but yeah he's he's an amazing dude shout out to nas yeah that's that's really cool man uh, i feel like honestly like nas's career now is pretty uh it, like with mass appeal of what he's doing and stuff like that is really it's actually like better than it's ever been you know yeah. 
he's he's hungry. He's working harder than I mean, I can't act like I've known how hard he's worked in the past, but just seeing everything he's doing, because like working on the albums is one thing. And then I come home and turn on, you know, some documentary and he's producing it. And then you go to a restaurant, you go see Sweet Chicken. He owns it. You know, he's just doing a lot of different things. He's like super active right now. And from what I know, he's just like in the best space in his career, just in his life where he's just like very vibrant, you know? So it's just a, it's a responsibility that Hit Boy has and anybody that works with him as far as like keeping the OG in that zone and making sure, you know, he, he sounds good and that he's presented in the right way sonically. Yeah. It's, it's actually quite, um, it's quite inspiring to see like people having almost like a second career or in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think this the music industry it comes up all the time. You know, with a lot of the people that we have on the show, when we talk about you know how the industry is quite dynamic and there's not a lot of infrastructure to really support you, and you kind of have to navigate it yourself. It's kind of tough. Even with talking to the young guru, he was you know like having mentorship is like super important, and and there's not a lot of that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> if you've made it, you know, you, a lot of the times you just made it on your own, or you. You figured out a lane. Yeah, you, you bump your head a lot and you, you wing it and you learn from it, you know. So that's that's just some of what I try to do at this point. It's like, all right, I figured out some of this and, you know, people have questions that, you know, I have experience on. I'm just going to tell them what I've ran into and what might work for them, you know. So. And it's really, really great, uh, like, hearing, you know, your sound, like, on all the projects that you work off, it's like, you know, there's a there's a Jansport J, you know, character. And, and I think... Um, this is something that a lot of us producers like struggle with for a long time, you know, trying to find a sound or trying to find an identity. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be completely, uh, you know, re reinventing the wheel. In fact, I was talking to, to Ocean about this. You, you know, it's kind of actually impossible to reinvent the wheel necessarily. For sure. But finding your sound or finding something that you can stick to that's consistent is really quite hard. Um, but I, I feel like that's one of the great things I love about your production is it's you know there's a sound there's a style um how would you describe that you know how would you describe your own your style Man, of production that's a great question i mean first of all i'm just that's the highest compliment that i could receive because that's what i was obsessed with when i was 19 20 years old just trying to figure out what the jasper j sound was going to be because i was a student of dilla and ninth wonder and mad lib and premiere and um Pete Rock and just all these guys, Neptunes, and they all had their own very distinct sound. So it was like, I'm a student of all these people. So how do I, how do I figure out my own sound? And really, I, it'd be hard for me to, to describe what my sound is. I just kind of go from the gut and what feels good. Um, soulful, obviously. Sometimes I'll, I'll go left of that and just do some funner stuff or some club type stuff. But um, I don't know. My, I, I guess. It might sound cheesy, but the best way to describe it is just like organic soul. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I think I have a, a good knack similar to like Alchemist and um, Malib, I would say, as far as I try not to overcomplicate uh, the producing process. Sometimes it calls for me bringing in players and guitarists and bass players and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes it's literally just the sample chop and there's no drums here. But it's like, making sure your ego doesn't get in the way of saying, oh, well, it needs to have this and that. It's like, no, what feels good? And I literally just try to go off of what feels good because we have to remember ourselves as producers. We're also just fans of music. So 
sometimes we seek validation or we always want to play music for people. Like, what do you think? How do you feel about it? I'm just like, man, do you like it? Does it feel good to you? Because if it does, it's going to resonate with somebody else. So um, all that said, I, I would say it's just like an organic soul sound. But like, like I said, I'm, I'm humbled to hear that because that's something that I was really trying to work towards since the beginning of my career is just, you know, when you start out, obviously, and, you know, if there's any like new producers in here, you're going to mimic your favorite producers. My very first beat sounded like the Neptunes. I'm Jansport J because Pharrell was Skateboard Pete. So like, <laughs> that's it, so cool. it, it's I that, that deep. Yeah, that's, that's where it came from. So, um, and then I went from making the Neptunes beats to I was a ninth wonder head. And even the video I posted on Instagram like yesterday, it's very ninth wonder, like that snare and the way the chops are. Um, and then there's a Dilla phase, but it's like I had to copy everybody at first in like my formative stages to really master what each producer is good at and start adding my own flair in there. My own flair really started coming with just twisting knobs and trying things out and be like, oh, I, I didn't mean to do that, but I actually like the way that sounds. So, okay, this is like my mastering chain that I use. And that's something that I used to be so um, insecure about was like my actual sound quality and stuff like that. Because uh, I got critique on it early on, and I just started riding with it. And I remember one of the first times I sat in the studio with Hit Boy, and he's got niggas in Paris and all these like great records. He brought his engineer in, and he was like, "Yo, tell him like your your master and sequence that you do." And so I'm literally telling this Grammy Award winning engineer, "I do this and I do that and I do that." So, oh, so you're compressing, and then you're. The I'm like, yeah, I'm doing all of that just because I twisted knobs for 13 years. I can't tell you exactly what it's doing, but I'm just messing around with things and keeping what feels good you know so that's always been my approach really I, I love that man and i i think i feel like a lot of this is like trusting yourself right like it's that trust yeah um and and like you said it's there's an insecurity there's self-confidence in it and sometimes you know sometimes like that's the crazy thing we i get in this conversation quite often actually is like sometimes the things like you said that are wrong or aren't you know technically correct or whatever you've whatever school's going to tell you how to do a you know how to use a limiter but if it sounds like good to you then there's no reason why it's not yeah right. it's it, it gives sometimes just tweaking what stuff gives it character like i don't know if you remember charles hamilton and the way he used to mix his records like oh, yeah it was very different but it was his sound you know and like it became cool and i feel like even mad lib like none of his stuff is mixed textbooks so even <laughs> when i work with engineers like to this day Thankfully, I work with engineers that kind of understand my sound. But like, if I'm sending stems to like a, a new artist that I'm working with that's working with a new producer, it's like I gotta have the talk. I'm like, okay, whatever you learned in school, don't do that goofy <laughs> shit. I don't want every single sound like crystal clear. Like the muddiness is some of the character in there. Just make sure it sounds consistent with everything else in the album. Like it's not, you know, jumping out at super crazy loudness or anything like that. But make sure the character of the of the sound remains the same because that's what people are coming to me for so it's cool that you actually referenced madlib because i remember when i first heard like mf doom uh, mad villain and and stuff like that and even some of the beats on the jailer yeah. project and i was like yo man you can really hear this time stretch on the sp303 really working hard yeah and i was like damn this they is like kind of wrong but it's like it's his sound it's like character yeah right? and they're like those two do specifically are the ones that really kind of gave me my confidence and like fuck it like <laughs> figure it out because like some of the stuff doom was doing it's just like bro it sounds good like it feels good so who cares and i think even dilla kind of like i 
I feel like Dilla's early stuff was super clean, and then you kind of get into that era of J Lib, and even some of the donut stuff where it gets like a little like a little crazier and it has a little bit more character. You could tell Dilla met Madlib, and he just had to feel because <laughs> he was like, "Oh man, this dude is different," but I like him. So yeah, yeah that's that's what it's all about, and that's what as far as like addressing uh, working with other producers, um, it's a uh, you know it's it's a twofold thing really. It's like I like working with guys that I really admire and that I could hear the sonic collaboration with. And sometimes I'm just a fan of somebody where it's like, man, I don't even know like what I would offer you. I just like your sound. Like the homie, uh, the homie uh, Flo from Keys and Crates, he was telling me, uh, he was asking me if I knew about Kayla Maestro. Mm. And I was like, Kayla Maestro is one of my favorite guys. Like I, I give him props all the time. And he was like, man, you guys should work. And I was like, man, maybe one day, but I don't even know what I would, like, he's just incredible. Like, I just enjoy listening to him. And there's other times where it's like, if it's somebody like Hit Boy or G Dave or even like Childish Major, certain producers where it's like, oh, that could be interesting because I like the way they do drum programming. So I wonder what that would sound like with me chopping up records or even the reverse. Sometimes, a lot of times, people assume I'm doing the samples and this Hit Boy doing the sample and I'm coming in on, on drum programming. Mm. You know, we just kind of alternate. So, um, but that. It's, to me, it's important to have that rapport with another producer, too. I don't want to just work with a producer because we both have a certain amount of stature and it would make it's like, no, like we got to have a real rapport, a real respect for each other's craft and like just let it be organic. That's dope. And and real quick, shout out Kayla Maestro because, yeah, he is a beast. Yeah. And Whip Music yeah. is a fantastic record. If you haven't checked it out, uh, Kayla Maestro's yeah. album, Whip Music. Is fire, and I think he might be trying to come to the states pretty soon. Oh, it would be great if you guys yeah. could link up. Yeah, he needs to. Like, I, I just low key want to a and r some stuff for him, and just like get him in the studio with certain people. Like yeah. I said, at some point, like a, it might make sense in my head on what we could do. But like I said, there's certain people I'm just fans of. It's like, bro, I'm not even. I just want to help, like however yeah. I can. But he's one of those guys because I feel like he's a real student as well. He knows. Um, he's got that 2000 sound like dialed all the way in but he still makes it fresh and you know refreshing and shit like that but he's he's just like a chameleon he can do anything and it just sounds really good yeah oh thank you so much eris for posting his link to his band camp it's uh yeah, yeah. He, he makes crazy like house stuff too like he's very versatile uh, yeah very, for sure versatile. yeah i think uh greg was playing me some of the stuff that they had done and i just already knew i was like yeah he's out of here yeah. Also, shout out Keys and Crates. I, I, we got to give it up for Keys and Crates. Their record, I really yeah. enjoyed that. Um, a lot of great, really great, great production on that record. Um, I just also want to just rewind a, a little bit here because um, there was funny. We were just talking about like a Madlib and the 303 sound um, and how, uh, yeah, it was kind of pretty rough. But I also remember like uh, talking or watching Kenny Beats or something stream and he was talking about how they made a plugin to like emulate the 303 like compression or something to sound oh, wow. like madlib like and I, and I was like yeah. that's just such a, like a 360 moment where like yeah, here is somebody who used something kind of incorrectly it changed music so drastically like it influenced a whole generation and then now they've tried to make it right like make yeah it because it it became a character like yeah. it, it had its character to the music it feels warm it feels like it's whatever soul sample you might have, it, there's so much more to it just by doing that. Same thing for me, like when I use machine and I throw like a maximizer on there, like a solid bus or whatever, 
and sandwich it with the transients. To me, like that's my sound, and that's what gives it's like, all right, the sample was already soulful, but it's doing more. It just feels warmer. And when you kind of trailblaze like that, you're gonna get the super technical people making a whole plugin, emulating some shit where you were just like fucking around because you made that a sound, you know what I'm saying? So that's why I tell people, um, whatever your sound is, just make sure that shit isn't overly loud and like hurting eardrums, but more than anything, be consistent with it because, you know, I don't, I personally don't feel like there's a textbook way to put out music. I mean, you should have vocals sitting a certain way, but it's more so about the consistency of it. You know, as long as people's ears are trained to that sound for that journey, like they're gonna ride with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you, um, uh, Magnanimous, for posting it. That's the Good Hertz Wolf Wolf Comp. I think uh, that's the plugin if you're looking for it. If you don't have the 303, um, also I want to like quickly just say, um, Dejeris said something really in the chat that I think is really worth repeating. He said, uh, "Being yourself and consistently you is such a mind twist in the world of art and expression." And I think that really sums it up. You know, like, you know, it's it's really hard to get that there but when you're there it's like it's so it's uh, i think you even said later on to jerris you said it was um it's like your superpower you know what i mean like it's the thing that will yeah. define you so it, yeah and for sure i guess i can speak to my career i feel like in some ways i took the longer route because i didn't want shortcuts or i didn't want to do anything that didn't feel right not to say it was wrong it just didn't feel right uh to who i am and the music that i wanted to make but you know, just to give an example, like I, I've produced long enough to where I tell people 2008, there was like a heavy Eddie sound that was resurging, like cool kids were like heavy with that. And I dabbled with some of that stuff because it was fun to do, but I was still soul sample based. So like people were telling me, oh, you got to have this sound. And then dubstep came around. So, oh, man, dub, you got to have the dubstep sound. So like, oh, that's not really for me. I'm going to still do what I do. And then trap came around. So, oh, you got to do this now. You got to do Afro beats. And it's always... It's something new every time, which I can appreciate as just a lover of music. But as far as what I make, it's more so just about challenging myself and and getting better at what I do and uh, getting inspiration for wherever it comes from and and doing that instead of chasing the sound of the time. And I feel like doing that consistently for 13 years plus is what has made me the specialist to where it's like, okay, Benny needs this type of record. Call up Jasper J. You know, Hit Boy, I'm looking for, you know, this type of sample. Or I, I have this record, but I want to chop it up differently. Call Jansport. Like, this is what he does. Like, this is him. So it took a long time. But now that, you know, I tell people it's like building a, a house. It's like I've laid the foundation over the years to where now the opportunities that come in, people are hitting up, hitting me up for me. And they're not asking me to go too far outside of what I do. You know, yeah. So that's the beauty of it. That's fantastic. Let's actually let you just talked about working with um, Benny the Butcher, Griselda, mm -hmm. fam. I feel like since we're talking about that, we may as well play one of those joints. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Real quick, I just want to say good morning, Kyoto to uh, Has Beats, a fantastic beat maker from Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, hope you're doing good, dude. Good to see you. Griselda, Griselda. Yeah. Jazz yeah. 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 Now don't ask me no questions, just listen to this shit uh, She catch a one-way flight to kick it wherever I'm at 
So if she wanna stay, then the bitch will never come back You wanna know how a chip feel? I been there once This year three in the beginning of a ten year run And that's predicted, my persistence Got my name on all the lists Had a brick before rap, like that dope boy from Memphis I survived all them death threats and three felony convictions Plug found out my whole team was hot, he kept his distance What's the stage with no mic and no voice of a poet? What's more important, the flower or the soil that grow it? Yeah, it's cool, but one rule, don't get caught in a moment Oh, it's back to swinging ratchets and warming the water Starving made me thin And ain't no mercy in this game we in I stacked against us, had to play to win I got a broad I never saw before 1am I'm out west and crazy girls cleaning out the ATM Let's go Phone so burnt, I need my pager back Sorry, Freddie, we're gonna have to cut it there, though Um, <laughs> That's yeah. a banger, man Holy smokes All It's right. so cool um, Appreciate it like, like, yeah, like you were talking about having your sound and it works with all of these like really hot rappers right now you know hot in the sense like they're like popping off you know like benny freddy you know coast contra i also want to talk about coast contra a little bit later because you know like there's a lot of really exciting rap being made right now at least it feels as a fan to me and and you're really in there you know i mean you're really like working with all these all of these artists it's so so cool um yeah it's it's been great timing you know great yeah. timing and it's it's great to hear that they're coming to you for your sound too and i just love that um i want to talk a little bit about um you know be, being that you're from la i want to i want to know what role does like being from la have on you as a producer and as a person yeah so i'm from uh west covina which is about 30 minutes outside of la um but i feel like being from the LA area has uh, it influenced our, I would say, diversity, the different types of music that we grew up listening to. Like, as a kid, I was listening to Biggie, to Snoop, to Pac, to the Dog Pound, to the Cardigans, Bush, No Doubt, Alanis Morissette. It was a lot of different things going on because I went to school with all these different kids, System of a Down. Neptunes, all that kind of stuff, nerd. So it kind of like opened up the musical palette. And um, yeah, and just having access to, uh, you know, being obviously in a city that's entertainment based, having access to do the local shows or to go see concerts and stuff like that, it all felt like it was attainable, you know? And uh, I can't identify with people that might live in like, the Midwest of the United States or like the Northwest or Northeast or, you know, areas where they kind of look at LA as like this destination or New York as this destination. I've been blessed to live here for most of my life. So um, everything always felt possible to me. It was just a matter of putting in the work and going outside this door and like going to meet people. So I I think that's been the biggest influence is just, you know, the, like the scale and like the scope of the music that I was able to listen to growing up and also feeling like it was right here. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't this, this overly complicated dream of I have to move to California get to LA and, you know, try and make it work. It's like, I'm from here. So really just kind of put in the work and go outside and meet people. I think that's really interesting. Um, as somebody who's not from LA and, and has, I spent quite a bit, a bit of time down there. It's also yeah. kind of sobering in a lot of ways when I've gone down there and you know i've i've thought oh you know this is going to be really overwhelming you know or really uh scary or something you know and a lot of those perceptions are i don't know where i got that idea from or where i thought that 
you know, it was going to be really hard or something. But, you know, I mean, L.A. can be a very lonely place, but at the same time, people are really open and very welcoming there. And, um, you know, yeah. I, I feel like I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I feel like I've got a, I've had a, I've met a lot of really great people and had really great, great relationships with people there. Purely, like you said, by just being there and going to the shows, being, you know, putting yourself in the position um, you know, you may not have to do that in necessarily LA, but you know, even in your own city, that same kind of approach of being a part of a, of the community, being part of that, uh, you know, creative culture, yeah. you know, is going to accelerate you as well, just because you're, you're, it's kind of like that thing. Like if you want to be booked at the gig, go to the gig. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and, and I would say, cause I, I feel like LA obviously gets a, a bad rap a lot of times not to blame everything on the transplants, but you have to keep in <laughs> mind, this is like a destination city. So a lot of people come to LA and they turn into whatever they think LA is. Right. And it gives a weird, like, we call that Hollywood, like that <laughs> whole, like that's Hollywood. But the natives of LA are very easygoing, laid back. We love our Dodgers. We love our Lakers. We're not that, you know, we're not that fancy or anything like that. We're just kind of low key people that, you know, as long as you're respectful and everything like that, like, yeah, we'll kick it with you. We'll take you to the local taco spot. We'll take you, you know, wherever you need to go and, and build with you. And you no, know, it's very similar for New York as well. When you meet real New Yorkers, like they kind of have like a, a brash personality, but once you get to know them, it's like, no, they're super cool. So LA is the same way, you know, but I, I feel like that happens with destination cities where it, kind of has like this reputation and like you said people might feel like they have to go above and beyond and go get an apartment in north hollywood and try and figure it's like you don't have to do all that you know you could build with the people here like in any other city (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's real it's like i said like the some of the nicest people like i want to give a quick shout out to the homie dibiase who's also kind of like a a mutual friend of ours and somebody who's possibly like one of the most down-to-earth most actually la people that I know, you know, like he's like yeah. Watts and he's like just always down to, you know, help out, be part of something like super like welcoming. Yeah. And always like just the, like a really down to earth dude. I mean, uh, this is one guy, but, <laughs> you know, I have. Well, yeah, no, for sure. You know, DiBiase was DiBiase was the first one of the first people uh, that I really looked up to. I remember hitting him up on MySpace and just asking him to check out my music. And he, he told me it was dope and I have potential. And, like, and I still remember that. This is like 2008. But like he's always been that type of person. That, you know, he always showed up to all the beat battles and stuff with, you know, the legends about him walking around with the boom box and the cassette tape and all. It's real. Like I seen it. Yeah. And I saw him. We had we both did like a some kind of backyard party or something in La Puente. This is like out here on my side of town. But it had to be 2000. 2009 maybe and it was like the first time i saw the 404 in person he's just walking around the party like doing the beat set with it and i was just like this dude is different he's incredible yeah we we love him so much we have an emote <laughs> for TV. yeah yeah for sure yeah he deserves uh, it but um speaking of la stuff um the other day i saw you tweeted limerick park and um can yeah. you talk about how important of a place that is to you and and the music culture of los angeles yeah, so Lemur Park uh, is a s- section of Los Angeles that is very. Um, I mean, obviously, you see it a lot in Insecure, the TV show, and you know, other movies and stuff like that. But it's like, it's the black 
hub and the heart of Los Angeles. And it's uh, it's very Afrocentric, very just, uh, it's hard to even describe it. It's, it's a place that feels like home, even if you don't live there. You know, when I whenever I go to La Merck, it feels warm. It feels like you're connecting with something, you know? And obviously with Los Angeles having a lot of diversity, especially for where I'm from, it's hard to find areas that are um, heavily African-American and they push African-American culture heavily and uh, just a real pride in it. So Lemur Park is one of those areas and, you know, it has great history, great jazz history, great African-American history. And so, um, yeah, I was tweeting about it because I was out there doing a panel and um, it's just a special place. And it's an honor to to do anything based out of there. It feels really good to be there. And, you know, me and Thurs, shout out my man Thurs, we were working on an album out of a studio out in Lamert Park. And we said every time, I was like, man, it's far as hell for me. But every time I come here, like, it just feels good. It feels like you're at home, you know what I'm saying? So it's a special place for sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, I think when we first linked up, we talked a little bit about it. And, and you talked to me a little bit about, like, some of the history of, of L.A. and, and you know, the, the, the jazz history, like the musical history of Los Angeles. It's, it's very deep. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't yeah. really, I, I, I know, I've only learned about this in, in recent times, but, you know, how in downtown L.A. as well had, like, a very strong jazz scene. Like, the music and the musicality of L.A. Uh, is, is very... You know, I mean, you've got even today people like Terrace Martin and, and you know, like. Yeah. And, and even when you think about West Coast, West Coast producers, especially the ones I grew up listening to, Battle Cat, Dr. Dre, DJ Quick, um, Fred Wreck, all these people are very musical. It's like they did like funk samples and stuff like that. But I feel like the West Coast, as far as producers, we brought a lot of musicality to hip hop. So. I think all of that is just like from the same lineage of, you know, the the funk scene in L.A. and the the jazz scene, like all the different eras that we've had out here. Even like, you know, I don't know if it's as well known nationally, but even like the DJ scene in L.A. in the early 80s, it was uh, Uncle Jam's Army, you know, and DJ Pooh and Battle Cat. And so just as a side note, like I one of the greatest days of my life was <laughs> DJ and that soul therapy alongside battle cat and dj Pooh, and afterwards they were like oh we got to make some kind of dj group like you're dope i was just like man this is unreal but because it's for it's guys from that era you know there's certain people that tell you that you're dope or something like that that feels good but um all that to say like la has a, a very important and rich musical history and um it's just an honor to be an offshoot of that yeah man yeah battle cat incredible dj and incredible producer yeah yeah incredible producer i i believe and i need to get the dilla time book i've been meaning to get it but i i don't know if this is in there but i've always heard that battle cat was dilla's favorite producer oh yeah i, I could see that. which would make all the sense in the world yeah because cat is out of here yeah i love that video i'm i don't know if you guys have seen it but there's like this video of battle cat just making a beat and it's just it's an older yeah. older video on the MPC. I think it's I know like, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know exactly the one that you're talking about. It pops up all the time for me. Yeah, and his bass lines are crazy. Like he's just like, oh yeah. man, so much funk. It's like crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I saw him at Nam, and he was like, he was dressed in like an all like all one color. I can't remember what color it was. It was like super dope though, and I was just like, Battle Cat. I was like, what up, dude? And it was just like he's, yeah. he's like like uh, any creation said. He's so humble too. He's like super outgoing and nice yeah. you know like 
not not at all they're gonna you know shoot it down just a super cool dude so yeah big up definitely that yeah yeah the one with the green with the green shirt yeah i think it was like an all green outfit it was yeah he, oh yeah he came every day with a different outfit and was like all match battlecat's always gonna have an outfit on that's one thing you don't know about cat <laughs> he always gonna have it on so for sure yeah. Um, but let's talk a bit about DJing because yeah, I know you DJ a lot um, as well as produce, uh, which is super dope. And I love, I love it when we get to talk about that because obviously Serato, we're primarily known as a DJ company. But you know, I'm, I always like to ask people like how DJing helped them as a producer, uh, especially yeah. if they do both. Man, it's 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 helped me so much more than anything. It's taken like a lot of weight off because as a producer, and especially when you do this professionally and like full time, you can just get caught in this world of like, I make beats, I got to make beats. And for me, DJing is like, it sounds pathetic, but people ask me what my hobby is outside of music. All I can think of is DJing because it's like, it's just like a, it's a different speed, but it's like the same animal. Um, ever since I've been, well, a fun story, the, let me go all the way back. When I was a kid, and I remember doing this, and my mom like even kind of co-signed it last month, and I was talking to her about it. Uh, as a kid, we used to have the see and say where you would pull it and it would spin around, and like it'd be a certain animal or something like that it would make a noise. So that's how most kids would play with that. But as a kid, I would take like the arrow part and try and scratch with it because oh, wow. I saw the Salt and Pepper Pusher video and I saw Spinderella doing that. And so then I started hearing it making these sounds. So I was always as a kid trying to emulate DJing. Like I had this energy for music that I had no clue how to channel it yet. And then even, you know, uh, once I got to elementary school, like my mom would give me my Christmas gifts. But in the stocking, she would always put like blank cassette tapes and I would like record my favorite songs on the radio and just have my own little mixtape and stuff like that. So she always encouraged stuff like that. But fast forward, so I, I say all that to say, before I knew what producing was, I wanted to be a DJ. Um, I just happened to produce first. But the very first time I got hit up for a gig, I was working at the YMCA part-time, and I get a call from MERS. And MERS is like, hey, I have this uh, this small gig that I'm putting together called Pay Dues if you want to DJ one of the stages. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be an honor. Like, I'd love to do it. I didn't know how to DJ at the time, but I just said yes. <laughs> so... I basically, after that, I took a month and shout out to the homie Jay Broski and uh, I think Traumatics. They both kind of gave me like a boot camp on like DJ and like on actual turntables and all that. And um, I just had a lot of fun doing it. It, it just felt like it was a working another uh, another muscle in the brain or something like that as far as just it's, it's compatible with producing, but it's just, you know, you're setting the vibe and you're you're paying attention to BPMs and song structure. And as a sample based producer, a lot of times I'm sure you can relate. We're just kind of skipping through the record, trying to find the sweet, sweet spot or something like that. And when I go out and DJ, a lot of times I'm hearing parts of records that I wasn't really listening to. And it's like, oh, there's a section here in this uh, this Denise Williams record that I never really paid attention to. So when I get back home, I'm going to flip that. So. That's really what DJing has done for me. It's like it's enhanced everything I've I've done production wise. And it's just like one of the funnest things that I can do. And uh, I'm a very specific DJ as far as like my selection. So like I mentioned before, we do soul therapy. So I'm doing like 70s, 80s, like funk, soul and R&B. Uh, I've had 
parties where I've done like Madonna nights where it's just like all 80s Madonna stuff, Janet Jackson, Jody Watley type sounds. And then it might be a Neptune's night or, you know, I love just like eras and, and things like that. So um, all I have to say, I love DJ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Much. No, it's yeah. so cool. It's like at least everyone's saying in the chat, it's really great to hear these origin stories. A lot of people are really relating to your uh, C and say or C, I think that's what it's called. Um, yeah. yeah. Saying, um, yeah, you can slow down the, the string to draw out the sound. <laughs> Any creation. Yeah, yeah. And you would just, you would go back and forth on the little arrow and it would, like, if it was a cow sound that was going moo, it would yeah. like, go back and forth. So it was literally me trying to scratch when I was like five years old. Yeah. DJ Gons knows all about the cow going wiki wiki moo. Um, yeah, there it, you go. It's it's funny though. Like, <clears throat> I remember. I mean, you probably relate to this. I bought a lot of CDs when I was younger, and I remember thinking, "Oh, these are great. I love listening to CDs. I put on my my disc man, you know." And um, yeah. But I remember when I got into DJ, and I was like, "I can buy vinyl records, and I can listen to them, but I can also DJ them." It was like extra value, you know. I remember yeah, taking all yeah. my CDs, taking them to the multi purpose. Store. Yeah, exactly. It was like yeah. Lego, you know. It was like building blocks you know so i was like mm -hmm. sold all my cds but rebought them all on vinyl so i could dj them as well wow and i was just like that's dope yeah this is the this is the move forward now i don't even need cds so yeah shout out burn cds <laughs> my girlfriend she she buys singles like CD that's singles? her thing which is like no like vinyl singles that's oh. her thing she which is like dope because like usually like you know i'll be honest i have vinyl but i don't think i'm the vinyl head that people expect for me to be but even when I get vinyl, it's like, I need the full album. If I'm downloading an album, I need the full album. But my girlfriend, she will go to, like, the singles bin and only buy singles. And then when she wants to hear, like, 702, where my girl's at, she goes to get that single, puts it on for three minutes, and then she's taking it off. I'm like, that's so much work. But, like, it's just interesting how people have their own kind of style and, like, affinity for music. Some people love 45. Some people love the singles or, like, the full you know, seven inch. Yeah, I mean, she's she's that's real DJing. She's really DJing. She's playing. The yeah, low key, <laughs> low key. She just has to she has to figure it out as far as like the blending and stuff. But yeah, yeah. she's got the spirit for it. I, I kind of fucked up. I, I'm speaking of donuts. I I really like donuts. I still don't own that on like a, a full LP. I oh, bought I bought I the single. Oh. Sorry about this. I bought the singles. Oh. These are all seven inch singles of donuts. But wow. similar to your point, like this is great, but I can't listen to it all the way through. <laughs> oh, there you go. This is, this is the this is the very CD that I bought on the day that he passed away. Oh man. Uh, and it was crazy because at that time I was I was familiar. I, I really connected it when I realized he was JD as well. And so I remember yeah. going to Tower Records in West Covina when they had it because I saw it was like an MTV News headline that he had passed away. And so I was like trying to, I was like, I know this name and I know his music. I know some of these songs. And then I put it all together because I was heavy on this MySpace page around that time too, as far as I think Stone's Throw was doing like the Chrome Children Project or something mm -hmm. like that. So I was heavy into all of that. And so I went and bought that very CD and that's the one that changed my life. And it's still like in good condition. It's incredible. But That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I literally just bought the vinyl. So like one of the things I'm trying to do is like, obviously have the vinyl the records that i produced on but also just the formative albums for me so i think the one that i'm missing at this point is jay-z's blueprint on vinyl and i think i'll be set after that yeah that's a man classic record i love that one yeah um so 
Um, sorry, one of the things I love about your production is how you kind of flip the, the smallest pieces of samples and, and really make it your own. And I, I feel like you've got a really great ear for finding, you know, samples that haven't been flipped before. Do you ever feel like you're going to you run out of samples to flip? Um, no, no, because there's <laughs> there's just there's so much out there. And like now I'm having fun, like dipping into the 90s bag with some of the 90s obscure R&B and stuff like that. And I really like I always kind of dabbled in that. But I really got hip to that when I went out to Japan and was kicking it with Buddha Monk and I saw the same way people have a vinyl collection. He has CDs just of all these like 90s RB records. And like that's very heavy out there in Japan. They have a lot of that. So um, there's so many eras to pull from. Like mm. I even want to revisit some of the older stuff I used to do because I know maybe 2010 era, I was doing a lot more um, psychedelic rock, classic rock. Uh, I think my big inspiration at that time was like the way Kanye flipped uh, Takeover, The Doors, yeah. Waiting for the Sun. So that's when I started. And I have these blogs that I would go on that just have the most obscure, psychedelic, prog rock type stuff. So I was getting that. And then I started going more soulful. And then now it's like 90s R&B. There's always something to, you know, to inspire you. So um, I don't think I'm ever going to really run out of things to sample it. Thankfully, even shout out to Tracklib. Tracklib has opened up the door to a lot of stuff I've never heard before and um, able to sample and clear it, you know, go about it the right way, which has been dope. So, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. The cool thing, like when you're when you're doing the, the kitchen, um, which if you haven't tuned in and you're watching or listening, you should check it out. We've got the older editions that um, the last two weeks that Jansport J did, uh, they're up on YouTube now. And then there's another one happening on Friday if you want to tune in at 11 p.m. Pacific time, uh, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Um, but, you you know, like you said in, in this in the stream, you're like, I, w I listen to the whole track. You're like, I'm going to listen the whole way through because you never know what you're going to miss. And I just love that approach, you know. Um, it yeah. actually, like, it was kind of like a, like sometimes I'm skimming through and I realize, yeah, you miss a lot if you don't really just give it the time that you need to kind of, like, take it all in and, and let it speak to you, you know. Yeah, and I'll be honest, most of the time, like, when I'm at home, I'm skipping through it still. But I feel like when, when we're on Twitch and it's important to, like, really kind of, like I said, put things on steroids, emphasize my process, things that are second nature to me that I just kind of breeze through, let me actually demonstrate it and slow down. So it's like, let's go through this record. And people are seeing in real time, it's like, oh, cue point right here. I like the way that sounds. Oh, cue point here, but this is a different beat. But can I make it make sense or do I just want it to be a different idea? So I, I'm showing my process in real time of like when you go through the whole record, you know, a lot of times you can get three or four different beats from one record if you flip it a bunch of different ways because there's just a lot of different parts in it. So, um, yeah, that's that's really what I've been doing on there and just kind of showing that process. That's definitely the, the takeaway I have, too, um, from watching, you know, like it well, sorry, listening to everyone's submissions. It's like I hear one thing, you hear another thing, and then all the other people yeah. that are submitting beats are hearing different things or are approaching it in a different way. Like some people are doing some really cool things too with the technology that's out right now where they're stemming it out, like they're isolating the vocals or isolating yeah. it. It's like, wow, man, like, you know what I mean? Like the, the opportunity, yeah. you know, there's like limitless options, really. Nobody from the flips I've been hearing, nobody's doing it the same. And especially last week, like that was... I'm glad I saw people talking about in the uh, the Discord that it was a tough uh, sample to crack because I felt that way when I was 
live on Twitch. Like these are samples that I sent, you know, a while back and I'm revisiting them. Like, oh man, why did I choose this one? But it's cool to figure it out like in real time and to also just be very honest about my process where it's like I think one I think one beat on each episode so far. I've been like, this is cool, but I'm not in love with it. But this mm. is just to show you like this is me getting the idea out. So let's move on to the next one. And maybe I'll come back to it and figure it out. But I try not to get too bogged down. It's about just getting the idea out and moving on to the next thing. That's actually uh, some of that, that honesty is like really important to, to see, I think, um, uh, yeah. for all producers. Because for everybody who doesn't know, when you're producing music, it's not always a hit. You know, like you're not, not everything yeah. you make is going to be good. Um, and often sometimes you'll just be forcing things and trying to make them work and they just it's just and, getting worse and sometimes you don't know what's good because <laughs> yeah. a nugget for you one-way flight when we finished the beat i was like this is cool like i'm not hyped about it we've made better stuff but this is cool and then he hit me he's like yo benny's gonna hop on it i was like oh, okay cool that'll be a cool record wow. and it turned out to be like probably the biggest record of my career at this point um, but that's why I'm such a, a big proponent of get the idea out, bounce the beat, like bounce it, just bounce it and put it in your catalog because you're also going to be armed with a lot of stuff for when, you know, you get the call to pull up to the studio and play some stuff. You, you'll play something by accident that somebody's like, no, go back to that one. No, that's the one. That's the one I want, you know? So that's why, like I said, I'm, I'm big on get the idea out get it to an artist or whatever and then within post-production whatever else you feel like it needs then zero in at that time but you know I, i'm never gonna sit with a beat for like three four hours like that's not my style i'm gonna give it an hour at the most maybe an hour and a half if i'm just really into it trying to figure it out yeah that's that's i've heard crazy stories that are like that where somebody's made a beat they thought it was kind of a throwaway thing they put it on a mm-hmm. disc or it happened to end up in someone's hands an artist hears it and then they make a song and it's a banger. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, I didn't even think that anyone liked that beat, you know? And, 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 right. and you know, even, even with my own music or, you know, when, when you make, when you go have the intention to make like a, a song or you feel like it's going to be a, a massive successful song. And it, it is sometimes it really just falls flat. Yeah. I'm, I'm having that right now where it's like, there's a beat, uh, me and AJ Snow are working on our follow up album. And there's like a beat that I'm in love with where it's like, we both like it, but he's trying to figure out how to approach it. And I'm always like reminding him, like, man, I know we're doing these other ones, but don't forget about this one. But sometimes it just doesn't, it might not connect with that specific artist and it might be for somebody else. Or it might be for a lot of times what I do with that is if nobody is receiving it the same way I am, let me put it on the beat tape. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, let me just do that so so people can still hear it and I can have that satisfaction of like, all right, I put it out. Like whoever loves it, they don't feel the same way I do. Yeah, I th- I'm glad. That's what I actually really love about beat tapes too. Is that, you know, it's just for the heads, you know, because like we listen to music in a different way than rappers do, you know, um, or mm-hmm. or vocalists do. We're we're listening to it in a in a certain way. We want to hear certain things, and and often, I mean, I've heard this story. Uh, actually, shout out, um, shout out my guy Ricky uh, from THC. He was talking about how um, yeah, he got. <laughs> he got like a beat tape. Oh, I won't put the person on blast, but he got a beat tape from like a very, a very, very well-respected producer who's like very technical. And he was saying um, they, they tried to, you know, pass some beats along to Kendrick for, for this producer. 
And he was like, yo, this dude, like this guy, you know, I'm not going to name him, but very well respected producer, like one of the, one of the like current goats or whatever. And he's like, this guy yeah. was like making like full like drops and songs and like it was just like way so much production. And he was like, yeah, dude, we just need loops. Like just send us. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's the thing because there's different approaches to making an instrumental project or like a beat for an instrumental album. Or even a beat battle versus a record for an artist. I keep it as minimal and just like I guess my uh, my gift that I've heard from other producers is that people hear my stuff and they just want to rap. They just want to. They're not overthinking it. They immediately want to write and rap to it. And it's because I'm just giving them the space to do what they do. And it's not crazy drops or switch ups or breakdowns. It's not it's not about me showing off what I can do as a producer. It's about serving the record and just giving a canvas for somebody to work within. And then in the post production we can figure out, all right, does it need more or do we need to strip it back even more than it is already? But I think some producers get so caught up in trying to like the gymnastics of producing where it's like it's, that's not necessary. Like your ego is getting in the way of what the actual record is like the beat is dope as it is don't try and outshine the artists like yeah. you know make a great record so yeah man and it's almost uh to the point now where it's like i was listening to that new fly god peace fly god record and uh, like especially the griselda crew like their whole thing is yeah. like the most minimal like just the like not and even it, drums <laughs> i'm just like wow it's, it's it's some of the most inspirational stuff for me like honestly if there's any artist that drops music, I'm not going to explain it because I love West Side Gun. I wouldn't say he's putting out hip hop classics, but I would say every time he drops a project, it inspires me and it makes me want to go back to my basics. Because sometimes even I, I get caught up in, all right, it's just a loop, but you sure you don't want to do this to it and do that? Because you're working with these artists now, so it needs to be bigger. And like, I'll listen to a West Side Gun project, just straight loops and like, Really, it's all about the EQing with his stuff. And I'm like, oh, this sounds so good. This feels good. Thinking, I just got to go back. Like, literally, it, the last uh, project, Peace Fly Guy, is inspiring my next beat tape because, like, I scrapped one I already had because I felt like I was doing too much with it. And rappers are taking the beats from me, which is a good problem to have. But it's like, <laughs> I just want to go all the way minimalistic and just, like, get back to that sound. So, um, yeah, it's just, a, it's, it's really just about creating your own sound and aesthetic. And I, I feel like that's what Westside Gun is doing amazingly. He's he's finding new producers. Like I, I've seen that name uh, Don Carrera a lot. Um I feel like we might even like DM here and there. And uh conductor has been ill since forever. Yeah. We used to chop it up a couple of years ago. So he's just got his ears to like the, the right producers and that right sound and Sadu Gold and all these guys. So he's he's not overcomplicating it. He knows his formula and he's like repeating it over and over and it's just branding which is like a beautiful thing to me some people want to hear you expand and do the next great thing and like challenge yourself and like it's good to do that but sometimes it's like sometimes you're operating mcdonald's and that shit is good you're just like you're the master of what the sound is yeah that's cool and in the chat somebody said um heard a fire beat that a producer said he made in 2013 i think like yeah sometimes beats you know they kind of they don't age if they're just good beats they could just stand yeah. the test of time the the joints i did on benny's album were old 
Uh, wow. The one-way flight joint, the idea that I started on was maybe like 2016 or something like that. And I think New Streets was too. New Streets I had done like on a, I was on a train going down to San Diego or something like that. And I remember just starting that idea. But yeah, it's just sometimes those older beats, like it's new to, to the artist. They're hearing it for the first time. So yeah. it's just also making sure you, you know, maintain that catalog and, and just play whatever works. Speaking of which, um, let's let's listen to another joint. Um, uh, Coast Contra, Pimpin' Benjamin. I posted this one the other day. I heard it. I was like, this is a great track. Oh, let's, uh, let's bump that. Um, these guys are also a very exciting, um, you know, group yeah. of MCs. And, and you, yeah, this, this beat you made with them uh, is fantastic. So let's, this is Pimpin' Benjamin by Coast Contra. Pimp the government. Quick. Let me give you facts. You can get with this or you can get with that. Benjamin gon' pimp or you can pimp him back. Now if you get with this, my man gon' tell you that. You rather flip bricks or rather flip houses. You wanna fuck hoes and nigga pimp dollars. My nigga, I'm Gucci. You can keep the pride of see when it's black money. We so close-minded. Look at our mindset. Let's redesign it. Let me rewind it. Evolve to different things. To need we is problem. Trust we got in. So trust, I'm a prophet. Kicking knowledge. I'm sincerely paying homage. Move godly. Think Gandhi. You can't confine me. They play for checks. I play chess. You can't pawn me. Sipping sake with Kiyosaki. I'm picking property. I plant seeds for money trees. I'm teaching botany. Remember back when they took rap? Play Monopoly. Speak facts. They took trap. Made copies. They sell these souls for holocaust. How can we not see the real wealth is intellectual property, hey, nigga? I like the etiquette. Pippin ducking the delicate mistakes. Had all right. All of these verses are insanely good. So I feel bad even just cutting yeah. it at any point. But wow. This is like these guys and, and, and you. What a combo. They're rappers. I Another little exclusive for you. Hopefully we can get the record out. When, we've been working on a lot of music. We. So we low-key have an album in the stash that we've been working on. And in the process of working on it, they blew up overnight. So we're just trying to get the schedules right to get back in the studio. But for that specific album, Apartment 505, we we were in between the Pimp and Benjamin's record. And there's another one that we did called Flow. And I love Flow. And I was like, guys, you guys are putting the wrong record on the album. It's this, it's this one. But they went with Pippin Benjamins, and that's is doing amazing. But there's one, if you guys think they're rapping on that, they're going so crazy on this other record. And we just have to find a way to put it out because when that was the first record that they hopped on this flow record. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, like I see what these kids are about. And this is like maybe three years old at this point, but um, they're super talented, humble kids, and uh, I'm just super happy for them. Yeah, man, they just sound so great on your beats, man, and it's, and it's like that kind of that kind of rapping is very exciting to me. Um, yeah, yeah, and they really- helped me get my uh, my first TV sync. We were just uh, on the shy uh, oh, episode sick. two of this past season, so we we did a record for that. So, like I said, we got like six or seven other joints in the stash. I think they might be putting out some singles coming up, um, but the guys are super talented. Uh, the twins in the group are uh, Raskas and Tedra Moses' sons, and then Eric and uh, and Rio are incredible MCs as well. <laughs> but yeah, hang on, hang on. Raskas and Tedra Moses' sons are right. In Coast yeah. Contra? 
Oh, shit. they're the twins. They're the twins. So yeah, that's they have good genes for sure in that group. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. I, yeah, I guess uh, they had told me the last time we were in the studio that Tedra was the one that told the guys about my music as far as like we should work together. And this just a testament to you never know who's listening to your stuff so shout out oh, yeah. to Tedra as well oh we love Tedra Moses we've uh, we had uh, who do we have on the chat we talked to Trackademics who produced stuff with with Tedra yeah we Word. love Tedra Moses uh, who doesn't love Tedra Moses yeah that's awesome she's dope. and shout out yeah. Rascast too right Soul on Ice yeah yeah man Soul on Ice yeah Miami Life it's a legend wow this is cool I love yeah. I love like the kind of little I don't know what I don't even know what you call that like tidbit information pop-up video stuff yeah and then they're they're another example of um like when i think about what i'm focusing on right now is aj snow and and working with coast contra and just helping to develop artists um because it's a challenge as a producer and just to be able to help somebody in their path gets where they need to go so when i first started working with them i think at first we were emailing beats and all that kind of stuff and then uh, my man Black, uh, who they're signed to, he had invited me to come out to one of their performances. So when I saw them perform, I was like, oh, this is like Farside, but it's like the new Farside. So that started informing the type of records that we should make. And it's like, how, what would Farside sound like in 2022? And so we started, you know, that's where like Pimp and Benjamin and stuff like that comes from. But also, um, it's just fun to give them homework and to like go back and study because obviously there's four guys in the group. So the album that we're working on, I'm like, guys, we can't all do 16 bars every verse. So <laughs> let's listen to this. Let's listen to this Jurassic five album quality control. They had two DJs and four MCs. So like they're doing two bars at a time. They're doing four. So one person's finishing somebody else's line. Like let's start doing stuff like that. So that's some of the music that we've been working on. And I'm super excited about. Yeah, I mean, I love that stuff. Like all that, I get. I think for me, like as a rap fan, you know, like that's the cool shit about Wu Tang Clan and and yeah, J Five and Run DMC. You know, when they're really like, it's like, yeah, like I'm thinking of like, you know, only built for Cuban links and how yeah, there's just like this energy. There's like everyone's like going for it on the verse, but you know, yeah. it's it's not like you said, it's not 16 bars. It doesn't fit a format, and they just they just work it out, and it, it keeps the energy really high. It doesn't need a chorus. It's just rapping. You know, it's like. Yeah, and that's I, I tell producers to this day, like one of the your best weapons will be just like having a knowledge of music. Like I encourage people something I did when I was younger, like even outside of hip hop, it's like what do people consider the greatest albums ever? I wanna hear anything that was supposed to be great. So I listened to the White album, to Only Built for Cuban Links, to Raising Hell, Illmatic, um, Pet Sounds, uh just all these albums, like the Kate Bush album that I always see in the top 10 where I'm like, man, I'd never even heard of her until I continuously see this name like in the top 10 list. But study all the great stuff and like have references. So it's like when you have a group like Coast Contra, I, I can reference like, OK, this is what Jurassic 5 was doing. So let's not copy what they were doing, but let's take elements of their song structures and incorporate into what we're doing or even when I co-produce records, when I work with my guy, Mike Wolf, who uh, plays a lot for me, like he'll play Rose or guitar and stuff like that. I might reference something like, man, I want to I want the percussion to move how it's moving in. Key sweats make it last forever. But just having that knowledge base of being able to recall it right on the spot. I don't read music, but I can recall like immediately a record that I want to reference. And the musicians like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. So 
it just helps to have that knowledge of music. Yeah, that's really true. I mean, it, I guess it's like if you're into literature, you'd read the classics. It's the same idea, right? right? You know, you're, yeah. you're going to learn so much from these, uh, learn the lessons in a similar way, re reverse engineering or just having the understanding of, it's like an understanding of language, right? And, and music in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. Super dope. Yeah. Um, so, uh, oh yeah. So um, we we asked somebody, everybody who's on the show, we asked them this question and I, it's like, we're just kind of going nearly over time. So I'd really like to get oh, this in so here good. before we get uh, out of yeah. time. But I'd like to ask you, what does the power of music mean to you? Man, the power of music is just, uh, it sounds cliche, but it's a universal language. It, uh, music has allowed me to see parts of this world that I never thought I'd be able to see, uh, that I dreamed about as a little boy. I always wanted to travel, uh, but I've been able to play beats in Spain, in Canada, in Japan, in Mexico, um, throughout Europe, like just beats, you know, and like, that's incredible to me. And that's something that I always have to take a step back and just be grateful for that. I'm living in this time with this access, you know, with technology and communication to where, you know, I can have fans who've been fans of mine in Europe for years and I can pull up out there and, and do a show at a nightclub and have these relationships with people already, you know, it's, it's a real blessing, but all of that comes through the music and just meeting the legends and everybody and being able to support myself full time it's all because of this drum machine right here and being able to make music on it and, and doing that every day since god knows how long but just committing myself to something and seeing it through and uh where music has taken me you know and the experiences it's given me is um you know, when it's all said and done, I, I joke around with my girlfriend and, and tell her, you know, I'm going to be the guy telling my kids, like, no, I swear I was cool. I used to do this and that. Like, I even have pictures. Here's a picture with Nas. Here's a picture with, like, I, I really did some stuff when I was younger. But, um, yes, it's the most, it's the hardest and the most fulfilling thing I've ever done is just committing myself to music. So that's been the power of music for me. Yeah, it's magical, man. It's, it's so cool. Yeah. I mean, like you were saying, you know, you're doing all that cool shit right now, too. You know, like, that's what's really exciting. Yeah, we're, I'm literally in the eye of the storm. So just from it's a it's a real responsibility. And it's, it's forced me to get out of my comfort zone and, like, see what I'm doing and how I need to operate creatively, how I need to operate business wise. Because, like you said, it's literally happening right now. You want to make sure you're not missing your moment, that you're maximizing your moment and not taking it for granted. So being in this time and space where I'm able to hear the news Nas records before anybody else has heard it, or I'm able to work with Coast Contra when they have 300 followers and now they have 360,000, they're on Jimmy Fallon's show and like work with AJ Snow from the ground up, like to be able to do all these things is, um, I don't take it for granted because I know it's not going to be this way forever. So it's a matter of, being in the moment and continuing to build my foundation so when this moment passes i've built something even greater for myself to where it's like okay well maybe i'm not doing all that flashy stuff but i'm still here on twitch i'm still selling out you know selling my own vinyl i'm still doing beat tapes i'm still finding new artists and whatever else i decide to do in the future that's awesome man um yeah. what can we expect or what can we look forward to from jansport j in the next year yeah, well, well, 
my main goal is to get out a lot of the music I've had in the stash. So um, there's new music coming out with me and Hit Boy that we co-produced, which I'm excited about. Uh, there's a project with Michael Christmas in the stash that I, I'm aiming to get out. I have a project with Thurs, with Coast Contra. Want to get in with Flea Lord. Uh, me and AJ Snow are going right back in. So like that's like the franchise right there. And um, yeah, just staying busy and, and just kind of expanding my business and doing the merchandise. I've been having a lot of fun doing these hats. Uh, I love wearing hats. So it's like, man, let me just have, let me experiment with hats and stuff like that. So things of that nature, you know, just continuing to stay active and, and busy out here. Yeah, that's a good question from the DJ one in the chat. Where can we find the merch? Yeah, so it's uh, allattractionnochasing.com or jamsportjmusic.com, but allattractionnochasing.com is the hub for my merchandise. There's actually uh, the beat tapes I've been putting out. There's cassette tapes over there. There's 45s. There's hats. Just all my merch pieces that I've had, you know, is, everything is over there. So allattractionnochasing.com. Fantastic. And if you're interested in listening to more Jansport J Productions, Check out his playlist on Spotify. Um, it's like all, what is it, just produced by Jansport J? I think I got a link here. Yeah, produced by Jansport J, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll post Songs it. I produce and co-produce. Yeah, I'll post that, um, I'll post that in the, on the YouTube description um, and after I, I get off the chat here. But um, yeah, man. And also make sure you do yourself a favor. Listen to that AJ Snow and Jansport J record because I guarantee you it's like a front to back great album. Um, just definitely check it out. There we go. Thank you, that guy. Yeah, we got two more Serato Kitchens coming up. One yes. Friday and then uh, next Thursday as well. So we're going to go out with the bang. So definitely, if you've been tuning in to the, the podcast, appreciate everybody that's been in here. But make sure you, you pop up to the to the Twitch stream. You've been having fun on there. I've been hearing some amazing music. And especially for the producers that, God bless you guys, but a lot of people DM me their beats. So if you want me to hear your, your beats submitted to the serato kitchen discord we have a sample that everybody's flipping that's an amazing way for me to hear your beats i know guys like burnt cds michael cooper music in truck beats uh five foot short music these are all people i'm getting familiar with just you know working with the stream so yeah absolutely shout out gons he's been uh, really dj guards yeah. yeah 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 much love so yeah i'll be there as well 11 11 a.m pacific time 2 p.m eastern time on friday with Jansport J on this channel, um, so yeah, if you guys want to check it out, you'll get to, get to you know see behind the, you know the wizard sleeve or behind the curtain how it's how it's done. So definitely yeah. tune in and and vibe out some incredible productions too. Um, thanks again though, Jay. Thank you so much for for you know yeah, appreciate being it. with us and uh, and sharing all your stories and your knowledge. Um, you're, you know it's, it's really great to have you, man. Man, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Awesome. And um, yeah, shout out to everyone who tuned in today. Thank you guys so much. Big up uh, DJ Lowkey for the raid. I saw it. we got another raid, a potato raid from somebody. I'm not too sure. But thank you everyone for tuning in. Big up that go Eris for, uh, you know, as always, modding the channel. And uh, yeah, I'll see you all on Thursday or I'll see you soon. But uh, have a great weekend, yes, everybody. Sir. Awesome. See you later. Peace.